This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You are listening to the 4000 Holes Podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at The Terrace. Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the 4000 Holes podcast, the What Now podcast with regular guests myself, Roger Whiteside, Ian Herbert, James Marsh and Matt Grimshaw. Now today, as per usual, we'll be split into our three different topics and the topics today will be section one, talking about the recent FA Cup triumph for Rovers away at Leicester City. Section two, a look at our league form, including four wins in a row and keeping the positive theme going into section three, where we'll have a look at our crystal ball section with a couple of special guests also to keep an eye out for in today's episode. As per usual, this will be a quick fire 30 minute podcast, ideal for your commutes to work, your walks, your gym sessions, whatever they may be. So hopefully you can join us and enjoy what we're about to offer. So let's get straight on to the show. We have a very positive show to get through today. I'm going to throw it over to uh, one of our resident fixtures of the What Now podcast, Mr. Ian Herbert, who has got a special guest with us. Ian. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, we, we quite often get invites on BRFCS and 4,000 Holes to do preview shows with other podcasts, and that's always great fun when you're predicting the scores and all the rest of it. What we've never had to date, and we're breaking fresh ground here, is an away fan, or rather a, a an, op- an opposition fan who's prepared to come on after a game where we've played his team off the park and tell us how <laughs> wonderful we are. So we thought this was too good an opportunity to miss. So I'd like to welcome to the 4000 Holes podcast, Tom Wheeler, who is a work colleague of mine, but he's, more importantly for the context of this, is a Leicester City supporter. And just over a one week ago, Tom, you were at, I still want to call it the Walkers, the King Power, to watch a magnificent display by a team in red. So, uh, in the lead-up to the game, what were, what were your expectations? How have Leicester been playing and what were you hoping for? Well, yes, yeah, certainly. No, so, thank you for, for having me on. Great to be breaking new ground. Um, well, I, I, I will confess, yeah, there was, there was only one team playing magnificently. It wasn't the team in blue um, on, on, on that night. Um, so, Leicester have had a, uh, I mean, to, to call it a roller coaster would be, would be generous. We were abysmal. Um, for, for the start of the season, uh, we got slightly better and got some results against a few of the bottom teams, uh, which was definitely a false dawn. Uh, we were then awful again, 
we then got a couple of good results against uh, Spurs and, you know, played, beat Spurs 4-1 at home, scored four goals at Villa and uh, I thought we were back. Um, and then I think, what, three days before Blackburn came to town, uh, I watched uh, Arsenal players off, off, off the puck. So I, t- I did turn up uh, to watch Blackburn with a couple of mates, hoping to see a victory because they have been few and far between. I haven't, uh, and I have, I've seen, I saw the beat Forest this year, that, but that's the only one. <laughs> So how big was the fear of an upset in the ground? I mean, as you, as you say, you'd had a bit of a, a rocky start, but I watched the game against Spurs on TV and th- I thought you were back. You know, all this talk about Rodgers out and all the rest of it seemed to disappear. Yep. So did you turn up feeling hugely confident or was there that little voice of apprehension at the back of your head? Uh, there's, there's always, uh, as long as you've been a, a Leicester fan for more than, let's say, was it six years since, uh, since leave or a year, um, yeah, there's always apprehension. You always know it can come crashing down at, at, at any moment. Um, I will confess to not doing my homework uh, on a Blackburn podcast that, uh, you know, I didn't check your league form. I did expect us to win, um, but there was, there was always some some apprehension there. We put a half-decent team out. It, it definitely could have been better. Um, I think in in hindsight, you guys will have uh, celebrated the, the centre-backs we put out because um, they... They might as well have been playing in red on Tuesday. <laughs> well, as the game unfolded, what what were your thoughts then? Because I have to say, from the Blackburn perspective, I was gobsmacked. Uh, we haven't come out the traps like that all season. It was a real throwback to, to the glory days when we were, we were sort of like getting promotion from League One or many more years ago in the Premier League. We, we were really aggressive and really on the front foot. What what was the what was the mood in the stadium there amongst the home fans? Yeah, there was, um, I mean, certainly, like I said, if I, if I didn't do my homework and underestimated it, uh, I think within five minutes, because you did, you charged right out of the blocks and you got some, um, you got some pace up front. In fact, your, uh, Dolan is it? He's, yeah. uh, he, he, he's got some gas on the left, on the left side. Your number nine, if he had a bit more gas, I think would have scored a couple more goals. Um, but you definitely had us, had us worried after five minutes. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, we 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 were certainly concerned at, at, at that stage, and that was before you'd uh, before you'd even even breached the defences. Yeah, we we had plenty of chance as well. I mean, the chance that Ryan Hedges missed, I thought that was going to cost us dearly. At one up, and then he he tries to curl it sort of like beautifully into the top corner and puts it wide. And I, at that point, I was spitting feathers. I really really was. And then the second goal sort of like came out of nothing. At that point, did you think there was any chance of of a comeback? Because then, then Rodgers made a couple of substitutions, which I think helped to turn the game. Yeah, it. it um, I mean, we we weren't showing much spirit, to to be fair, and you guys were showing everything. Um, and it. Uh, I mean, it was great you mentioned the playoffs because we've we've always had a common affection, I think, for for Rovers. And well, and uh, one of my earlier memories is you beating us in the '92 playoff final. Mike Newell penalty, oh, yes. um, and it, you know, eventually we got up and uh, and, and stayed up. Um, but it's it, a uh, two nil. Yeah, we hadn't showed anything, and then we did show uh, a, a bit of spirit. And the goal that we scored was great, and actually it was incredibly simple. Uh, there's a lot of space on the left. Barnes uh, cut it up, and then he passed inside to Ian Acho, who scored. Uh, I think to be accurate, I think it's a gazillion FA Cup goals. Something like that. It's, it's it's something like nineteen in five seasons. Doesn't, doesn't um, score in the league, does he? No, he doesn't. No, unfortunately, he doesn't. He couldn't Incredible hit a barn door on uh, on Saturday. Um, but you know, we, and then we were all over you for five minutes, and then for whatever reason, that spirit just 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 died. And then you guys were. 
I'm sure you were you were nervous, but it was it was pretty comfortable um, playing out the last last part. Absolutely, it, it, it did get rather tense towards the end. I think it's fair to say uh, the fingernails were, were being bitten. I don't think that there's much left. I think at one point there was blood coming from <laughs> from every single finger as we're watching it go through. But I, I watched it on TV. But Roger, Matt, you were you were there in the ground. I mean, what was it like seeing it firsthand, and how does your experience compare to Tom's? It was one of the best nights I've had watching Rovers. Quite easily, top five, top ten. Although I was saying to some uh, Leicester fans on the way out of the ground, and Tom, you probably agree with this, it's hard to really... You're in the sort of Rovers post-championship post late 90s era where it's really hard to be too critical of a team that's been so good for so long. I mean, in your lifetime, if you'd ever thought you're going to win the Premier League, going to win the FA Cup, you'd have bitten someone's hand off. You'd be, you'd, Absolutely. You'd, yeah. you'd take and be in the conference now if somebody had offered you that five years ago, wouldn't you? So it's difficult, but the atmosphere was great. I mean, Leicester, what a, what a club to in terms of you really got a feel of that with the stadium outside the stadium in and around just even the screens looked fantastic they were so, so bright and hd a 4k screen you know you felt like you were at a premier league club but Every, everything looks good when you thrashes yeah even the pies taste good actually i had a, what was it, a sausage roll red leicester sausage roll oh, they are good uh, they, they, are they good. were good yeah so i mean yeah. hopefully we're going back in but yeah the rover support was i mean you, you know if you if you watched the match you heard the rover support it was fantastic it was wonderful to be a part of and I've spoken to people who didn't go to the game since who regret not getting that ticket. And to say it was for, what, £10 for the ticket? Yeah. Unbelievable. One of the best nights I've had as a Rovers fan. One of the, there's been many, but it's certainly up there. Max, what what was your take? And what what time did you eventually get back to Preston? Well, um, yeah, I think we got back to Ewood at about uh, two o'clock and waiting for a taxi was was a bit of a pain. But, I mean, it was definitely worth it. Um, like Roger just said, um, I think to be honest, it's one of the best nights, one of the best nights of my my life. Never mind uh, watching Rovers, <laughs> even better than Doncaster. It, yeah, yeah, I, I would say it was yeah. better. Um, that I nineteen Doncaster, just, that, that, that's a <laughs> title of your autobiography. Actually, it was just I don't know. Everything was was just perfect. The atmosphere, the the coach journey down was was horrendous. Uh, it took four and a half hours for us to get there in the end, which which was outrageous. But I mean, it was worth every minute. the The atmosphere was great. the The performance was great. The result was great. I think, um, it, yeah, it's just it's just the way way it's been going for us at the minute. And it was it, it was a perfect night, very perfect. Excellent, good stuff. So, Tom, uh, in conclusion, then uh, are Blackburn going up based on what you saw? Oh, from what I saw, you uh, you guys would. Would would stand on your own in the in the Premier League for sure. You are definitely better than Forest, particularly the <laughs> night that we beat them four nil. I, I didn't. It's, it's great to hear you, a, a perfect night in Leicester. My recollection, it was pissing it down with rain. It was freezing cold. <laughs> Leicester's not the prettiest places anyway. But on a a Tuesday night in February, um, I'm I'm glad it was paradise for you guys. Um, but we had we had fun as well. I caught up with some mates and had a. Had a beer and got out of the house, but uh, yeah, you guys were very, very good value for the for the win. So well, congrats! And yeah, I hope, hope you do go up. Yeah, uh, yeah well, yeah, we're we're hoping for for three trips to Wembley now because we want uh, the <laughs> FA Cup semi final. <laughs> we want the FA Cup final, and we want the playoff final. We're not greedy, you know. We're, we'll settle. We'll settle for that. Tom, I really appreciate yeah. you coming on. As I said at the outset, we don't get many away fans prepared to come back on 
after we've uh, we've dismantled surgically their team, and, and we, we did for 70 minutes. I think 20, the last 20 minutes, as we said, was hairy. Uh, but uh, we, we're obviously delighted to go through. Uh, concentrate on the league now, I suppose, is Leicester's mission. And just, just one final question. Are you Rodgers in or Rodgers out? Oh, he's got to go now. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's definitely lost the stands. Um, I think he's lost the dressing room as well. It's... Uh, we, we we are far too good to be where you know we've got too good players to be to be where they are. Yeah. He makes some daft he makes some daft decisions. Daniel Amati he, he isn't good enough for the championship. And he, he, I mean he, he looked like he was playing your guys in on purpose uh, <laughs> for that first goal. Didn't he? It wasn't even in, to call it an inception was generous. I think. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Thanks once again, yeah. Tom. Much appreciated. Cool. We'll let Thanks, you go Tom. and get your train now. So live from St Pancras. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let the Leicester City fan go and catch his <laughs> East Midlands Express. But thanks for joining us. And uh, if we do get up next season, you'll have to come back on and give us another preview or review, depending on how it goes. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank, thanks for having me on, guys. Cheers. Thanks, All the best. Thanks, and, uh, Tom. Yeah, good luck. Good we'll we'll see you in the Premier League next year, hopefully. So moving on to part two now, which is talking about our league form, not just cup success, but league successes too. And James, I'm going to come to you first. Four wins in a row, the perfect month of February. Are the February blues behind us? I don't want to tempt fate, but I think it might be. Obviously, after the O'Brien saga at the end of January, I think the mood was pretty low around the within the fan base. Um a lot of fans made their feelings known on Twitter, and rightly so. The fe- the month of February has probably been the most enjoyable month I've had supporting Rovers in a while. In terms of the performances, Swansea and Blackpool was okay, but QPR, Leicester, and even on Saturday against Sheffield United was just something I've not seen for a long time. And especially against Sheffield United, it, they have quality players up top. you got in Giant McBurney, but we didn't really give them a sniff. I just thought the last four games have been arguably the most enjoyable ones I've seen in a while. And I know we won 10 in a row on the Mulberry after that hammering to Fulham. But for me, this this February month has been really enjoyable. Absolutely, absolutely. Matt, I was uh, speaking to some people on the way out of the ground on Saturday and enjoyed like everybody was. Does it feel like we've sort of maybe stumbled on a bit of an identity at the moment that Rovers have finally got something that the JDT era, the project, it's finally showing some green shoots and it really feels like we're a club going in the right direction? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think when um, when Thomason came in, he uh, reiterated the point again and again that it's a project and it'll take time. Uh, and I think we're seeing exactly that now. You can you can see the way that he wants to play. Um, the, the Sheffield United game on, on Saturday was a prime example of that. You know, we took it to a good side. And um, as as James just mentioned, we didn't really give him we didn't really give him a sniff. And I think it's credit it's credit to uh, Thomason and it's credit to the players as well. Ian, come to you next. Just talking about four in a row. Earlier on in the season, Rovers won four in a row in the league, actually. They beat Middlesbrough away 2-1, Sunderland at home 2-0, Birmingham at home 2-1, and Hull away 1-0. So why now does it feel so much different that we've done something we've already done this season, but are we getting ahead of ourselves? Does it feel different? Are we what we've just mentioned with James and Matt? Is it is, is this the start of something? Are we getting too excited? What do you think? Or tick all of the above, is that what you're saying? I think the phrase I used to death on the last episode of, of, of this show was eminently winnable. 
when we were talking about our three league games and our cup game at Leicester. Eminently winnable. And they all were. I've got to be honest now. When I said eminently winnable, I meant one or maybe two of them. I didn't expect <laughs> all of them. Um, let, me, let me bring the mood down because that's my specialty. Swansea. We didn't play well. We ragged it with a goal from the centre-back, sort of like in the 90th minute. But you win 1-0, you get three points, whether you score a blinder in the first minute or you rag one from your centre-back in the last minute. It kind of doesn't matter. Uh, Blackpool, the scoreline I don't think did us any favours. Uh, I I think we should have had more goals, but we could have said that about a number of games this season. QPR was an interesting one because we went in front and, of course, conceded and then showed some character and actually sort of like rode the wave of the, the euphoria around Ainsworth's appointment and, and scored, well, some cracking goals. I mean, let, let's be honest, Travis and Rankin Costello are two of the best assists we've seen, we've seen in a while. So I think we went into the cup game as optimistic as we could. But again, I, I was hoping for a, um, a show that we could be proud of, but not expecting it. And then that first 70 minutes, as we've discussed, was just extraordinary stuff. So if you could bottle that first 70 minutes at Leicester and then uncork it at various points across our fixtures for the rest of the season, the sky's the limit. But football doesn't work like that, as we all know. Players come and go in terms of form, injuries, suspensions and all the rest of it. Let's just enjoy it for what it is, I think. Um, if we if we finish in the playoffs, it's a remarkable outturn. Anything and everything that happens in the FA Cup is the icing, very much the icing on the cake, and we've already had a terrific evening out of it. Even if it all goes, uh, if it all goes wrong at Bramall Lane, although we'll get upset, obviously, living in Sheffield, <laughs> losing to Sheffield United, and then facing potentially having to go into the office and confront various people. So, I think tick all of the above, Roger. Let's enjoy it. Um, might be the start of something good. Who knows? But we'll just have to muddle through and see what to, see what comes of it. But fingers crossed we can we can carry on the progress that we've made so far in the last few games. I think you're absolutely right there with but reasons to be optimistic. Come back to you, Matt, on this one. No Kaminsky, no Scott Wharton, no Adam Wharton, no Ayala, no Ben Burton Diaz, no Bradley Dack. And yet you win in four games in a row in the championship level. I mean it's it, it, it's wonderful stuff. I mean, John Yundal Thomason for me is performing minor miracles. I, I've liked him all the way through. We've had a bit of a rocky patch. Don't get me wrong, but what he's doing at the moment is he's pulling rabbits out of the hat, left, right, and centre. Yeah, definitely. I think you look at you look at players like JRC and Carter and even Smodix at times this season. Players who who haven't had the the consistent game time that every footballer will will want. Uh, they, they seem, they, you know, it doesn't seem to have bothered them in the slightest. They're coming in and putting in amazing performances, and I think it shows the the bond that we've got as a squad at the minute. I think it's such a strong squad, and they'll, they'll sort of do anything for each other. And not maybe if you're not playing a few games, it doesn't really matter because as as your Buckleys and your Carters have proven that they can come in and be influential in, in different parts of the season when, if and when they're needed. And James, coming back to you finally, just to finish off this section, we spoke on the last podcast about our uh, players who were on a hot vein of form, players who were perhaps struggling. We, we mentioned a few of the players who were doing very well. J- JRC, as Matt just said, Joe Rankin Costello, Hayden Carter, Ainsley Pears. It's just been a wonderful month for those three players. Is, is there anybody else who sort of stood out for you? I mean, I mean Smodix has to come to mind. Yeah, yeah Schmodix, uh, Do- the whole the whole squad, really, the front four especially Sober Thomas, Schmodick, Stolen and Gallagher. 
especially Gallagher against Leicester and Sheffield United, I thought he just ran and ran and ran. He was brilliant. Fair enough, he hasn't. He didn't get the goals that he might have, that he could have had. But mm-hmm. Gallagher and Schmodix in particular for me have been absolutely outstanding. And just to be uh, a little bit controversial or a little bit playing devil's advocate here, is it a coincidence that we've done better without uh, Morton in the team? I know some people have been talking about Morton coming out. I know he's perhaps unfair to, to single out one player at the moment. But uh, Ian, uh, come to you for that one. I thought I thought you were going to say, is it controversial to say we're doing better without Brereson and Dak inside? I, I, thought, well, that was right. I, I thought that's where you were going. Yeah. I thought, ooh, this... this. We're definitely clickbaiting this one. Well, I was going to come on to Dak, actually, because, I mean, I love Bradley Dak. Don't get me wrong. Every Rovers fan of a certain era, and particularly anybody who remembers the League One campaign, loves Bradley Dak. But you only have to watch Sam Smodix for five minutes to say to yourself that Bradley Dak cannot do what Sam Smodix does. Now, Dak can do things that Smodix can't do within the box, but we're not that sort of team. And again, I feel as though Bren Brereton, I mean, I was listening to uh, our friends over at the Inside Brockle podcast earlier on today, and they were talking about how we ran Brereton Diaz ragged last season with the amount of miles that he has to do on the pitch, the miles off the pitch, the travelling to Chile back and forth. I really, I really think there's something in that. It may just be me, but um, but yeah, Smodix has been fantastic there in the last couple of weeks. Um, so uh, so yeah, uh, we'd like to know what you think. Obviously, on our brfcs.com forums, keep an eye on the player match rating, which I know some of you from the last podcast we spoke about uh, have been in touch with me and talked to Ian. You can uh, just uh, refer to the uh, brfcs uh, match rater. Uh, up, up takes good on that one people getting involved it is we've, we've seen the number of votes uh i think like quadrupled uh after the first episode where, where we talked about it and it, and it's gone up again since then so i think we, the the number of votes we're getting in now is definitely statistically significant we are keeping a tracker of all the scores um partly out of curiosity around form um we, you know, we did put some graphs on the forum uh, a few weeks ago that was highlighting certain trends and there was a massive correlation in, in Brereton Diaz's form and the team's form, and yeah, that that provoked a bit of bit of con, um, bit of conversation. So we'll, we'll definitely keep that updated as well. So the, the more people that vote, the better, because I think it gives us a good sample size. And it's it is. It, it, well, I am a bit of a numbers geek, and I like playing with an Excel spreadsheet. So it <laughs> keeps me busy, if nothing else, playing with those numbers. So vote, 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 folks. You know it makes sense. You are listening to the Four Thousand Holes podcast. No longer just a fanzine. Welcome back to part three. This is a new section for the podcast this month. We're talking with resident BRFCS.com content provider, Glenn Endressel. Glenn, great to have you on the show. Evening, all right. Thanks for having me. Uh, Glenn, you've written a couple of articles on the BRFCS.com pages and the forum pages uh, talking about the crystal ball. Would you like to sort of tell us what that's about? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's kind of started last season at around about sort of January time when obviously flying high, things were looking good. And it was kind of a, um, how do I keep my feet on the ground or how to kind of look at how bad it can be and still make playoffs. So I went through all the the remaining fixtures from kind of, I think it was middle of January last year and, and kind of plotted pessimistically how I thought we would do and how many points that would basically end leave us with at the end of the season then looking at against the uh, the average for top two top six and ultra pessimistically relegation just to see what do we need to meet top six and what what do we need to do to push on to top two and I remember last year the kind of thoughts were we're, de- we're nailed on for playoffs it's, it's, it's top two's the question not top six uh, so I kind of 
put a bit of love a spreadsheet, so put a bit of a spreadsheet together for that and round through it. So my prediction had us having 78 points uh, last season. We ultimately finished with 69. Uh, the number required for playoffs, I think, was 75 last year. So um, we, we obviously fell short, as we know. Um, so I said to myself, I'm never doing it again because it just became a depressing thing after every game. I'd update the spreadsheet, put a tweet out, we're falling behind the chains now. We're, we're, we're kind of not where we need to be. And then, um, yeah, so, so this season, I've not wasn't getting dragged in. I, I was at the Wigan game, which was a tough watch. And, and after that, I thought, there's no chance of playoffs. And then you have a couple of good results, a couple of wins, and you think, maybe we can. So this year, it was a case of, I'm going to do it to prove we can't do it. So we'll yeah. go through it again. And I think it was the last... Ugh, let me just... I've got the sheet in front of me. So it's the last... Game week 34 to 46, so the last 13 games. And I've run through it, and I thought I'll be optimistic and I'll be pessimistic and see where that gets us. Um, so the optimism had us kind of drawing against QPR, drawing against Sheffield United, drawing against Stoke. The pessimism had us getting beat at QPR with the whole new manager bounce and things like that. Um, and also getting beat off Sheffield United because basically the, the earlier game of the season kind of indicated that we may struggle in that one. As has turned out, we've actually got on and won both those games. So my, my pessimistic approach had us finishing on 69 points and my optimistic approach had us finishing on 74 points. We've obviously won two games and are four points ahead of where I thought we'd be. So if everything goes to plan, according to my optimism, we will finish on 78 points, which is fantastic. That should be enough for top six. If everything goes to plan, well, sorry, doesn't go to plan from a pessimism point of view, We'll currently be at around about the 73-point mark. So we're still there or thereabouts. So we're not far off. Obviously, you've got outliers each season. So the average is 74 points since 2000, 2001. We'll get you top six. Uh, 88 points will get you top two. Um, you, there are outliers. So 2016-17, you needed 80 points to get top six, which I believe was full wow. in that season. Um, and you've got... 2014, 15, 78 points. But other than that, it's roughly around about the mid-70s mark. So um, I said I wasn't going to do it. I've got dragged into doing it again. And it's now turned from, we're definitely gonna, not going to make top six to, how are we going to mess this up? It's nailed on. And that, that's the one thing you don't want is that hope of, well, actually, the math says that even if we're awful, we're still going to be there or thereabouts. And yeah, so, so that's what it's about. So there's um, there's a couple of pieces on the BRFCS uh, website, and I believe it's on the forum as well. So um, I've also provided the the kind of template for it. So if anybody wants to have a go at kind of doing their own predictions, mm -hmm. uh, it kind of starts with a 52-point mark before the, the QPR game. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get sucked into it like me, have a go at it. And as always, share your predictions and everything, and, and let's see, see how we get on. Fantastic, fantastic. I remember I was listening to Radio Lancashire probably I think this time last year and in the championship everyone has this notion of a team coming from nowhere from like 15th and then sneaking into the playoffs when realistically it doesn't actually happen like that if you look at the data does it? It's the teams that are in and around the playoffs with 10 games to go are generally the teams that end in yeah. and around the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. It's very rare you have a team kind of comes out of nowhere and does it. You've got last year, I mean Last year's outlier was probably Nottingham Forest. Looking at kind of from January onwards, I don't think anybody would have predicted them having that stronger end to the season. But even by the end of the season, they weren't 
kind of storming into the playoffs. They got in there and they were staying there, weren't they? It wasn't a kind of getting in there last minute. So I think there's also something around the team that has the momentum or finishes sixth, always does better in the playoffs, which is also a lot of rubbish. And yeah. it's usually always kind of third or fourth that, that wins the playoffs. So uh, what, what that says for us, I don't know. But um, just, just on that, I think it's in the article. Um, I've done a, a run rate basically. So what do we need to get per game to get top six? I think it worked out at 1.7 points for top six and around 2.6, something like that, for top two. So at the minute, we're hitting the run rate for top two. So again, not getting carried away, but um, we're, <laughs> we're almost double where we need for top six. And kind of what the article does is um, looks at how do we stay ahead of that curve. So I think um, that there's a graph shown on there and it's showing you the kind of points per week to get to to top two and then the points per week to get to, to top six. So I, I'm plotting where we are on a game week basis for are we above that line or we below it? What, what does it look like? Yeah, I mean, it's all there in the article on the brfcs.com. So really do go and check it out. Uh, Glenn, we're just going to end the podcast this week talking about the upcoming games, particularly the two league games. So uh, what's your model or your pessimistic <laughs> but op- optimistic model say for Stoke away on Friday night and Reading at home next week? I'm going to sound like a bit of a fraud now because my pessimistic and my optimistic are the same for the next two games. So I've I've said pessimistically and optimistically, we'll get a draw at Stoke. I think that for me, up until about three weeks ago, I haven't edited it is probably a key thing to say as well. So I've done it before the QPR game and I'm not going to touch my predictions. They are what they are now. Um, Obviously, the the form we're in, the results we've had... um, would potentially lead me to think that a draw is possibly more pessimistic than optimistic now. But then you look at Stokes', Stokes result at the weekend against Sunderland and they absolutely smashed them 5-1. Although, obviously, that's got the massive caveat that that is a Tony Mowbray team in March. <laughs> so I take with a pinch of salt. But, um, yeah, so I've gone for a draw against Stoke. I think I'd probably be happy with a draw, keep the unbeaten run going. A draw, no injuries, get some some more minutes in the legs of the likes of Brereton Diaz, and uh, yeah, and then and then Reading, I've actually gone for a win for both, which is dangerous territory to be in. But um, <laughs> yeah. I I still haven't forgotten Paul Ince as Blackburn Rovers manager and how poor he was, and I, I I won't have it that he is a Championship manager. So we should be beating if we want to if we want top six, you've got to beat Reading at home. So that, that's where we kind of sit at the minute. So four points from the two games actually is the model that you were talking about with the 1.7 points per game then, isn't it? So Exactly, points, yeah. I'd, I'd take four points. Ian, would you take four points from two? I know you were eminentlywinnable.com. Eminentlywinnable was, was the phrase of the podcast. last episode. Quick thought on uh, final thoughts on the next two. Yeah, what, what can be my hashtag for this one? Impending fiasco or something like <laughs> <laughs> disaster incoming. Uh, Stoke away. It's not a Tuesday night, but it's away. <laughs> It's live on Sky. I mean, come on. And they've just come in off the back of a 5-1. I'm I'm concerned about that one. I think anything that we can get from that fixture is good, but I'm absolutely with Glenn on Reading. Any side with aspirations has got to be beating Reading at home. And if it is another Daniel Ayala-type goal in the 90th minute, so what? As long as we we get a a win out of that one. Stoke worries me. So I'll predict three points from the next two. James, you're uh, not browbeaten by years of Rovers failure like the rest of us. Uh, you more optimistic? Um, no. <laughs> uh, um, if Stoke hadn't thrashed Sunderland 5-1, I'd have been optimistic. But the fact that they turned Sunderland over in front of 38,000 people 
is quite impressive. And and it has the potential to be a banana skin. Like Ian said, it's not a Tuesday. It's a cold Friday night on TV. So, but we should be beating Reading. So I, I would be happy with four. Four points. Matt, come to you. Yeah, I think I'm, I am gonna. I am gonna be optimistic. Um, I think you look at Stokes' form. Uh, they're playing like we were earlier in the season. Win loss, win loss, win loss. Very, very sort of inconsistent. So I'm going to go with a, with a Rovers winning that one. And uh, as everyone else has said, really, the the Reading game should should be one that you want to win. And and I think we will get the get the win there. To be honest. Well, I'm going to keep everything positive and I'm going to say last time we promised you three wins in a cup quarterfinal and this time I'm going to promise you two wins in the league. Whether I'll stretch to a cup semi-final, I'm not quite so sure at the moment. But uh, that's what we think. Obviously, let us know what you think on the brfcs.com forums. Uh, Special thanks to you, Glenn, for joining us for part three of this podcast. Hopefully we can have you on for one of our What Now podcasts in the future. No, thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. It's been good. Thank you. Definitely come back. Cheers. Excellent. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, Also, thanks to my regular guests, to Matt Grimshaw, to James Marsh, and to Ian Herbert. You've been listening to the 4,000 Holes podcast. We'll hopefully be back after the Sheffield United FA Cup quarterfinal with good news, hopefully bad news. Who knows? We will see you then. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Goodbye. Four thousand holes. No longer just a fanzine. Now a podcast too. But you know that you're listening to it. Sports Social Podcast Network. When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a click away. Order online and pick up at your local store. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh oh oh! O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.